Children fifth grade and under, you guys can head on downstairs for your time of teaching in Clubhouse. And we're so grateful for all of our folks down there serving, making uh, not just childcare available, but teaching available to all of our kids. So appreciate all of you downstairs. The rest of us, we need to find our place in our Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. A friend of mine last night after the service, he came up front with his Bible. And he said, you know, for a long time, I've been using my phone as my Bible, and I realize I, I, I really want to have the, the physical Bible right here with me because we encourage you to take notes and to put them right there in your Bible. And as he pulled out his Bible last week and as he looked inside, he had taken all of the welcome to MCC. We used to have these stick-on name tags for our greeters. And every time he served as a guest, he stuck those inside the cover of his Bible. And so he remembered his service. He turned a few pages and he found a program in there from the message that was spoken the day he gave his life to the Lord. And so I encourage you to take one of those physical Bibles and the seat pocket underneath the person in front of you and make it your own today. Feel free to take it home with you. But most importantly, make some notes in there so that you can go back and look at this text later. This past Monday, our fourth Monday of each month, we have our Dare to Care food giveaway. And we asked you all to share that on social media. I want you to know that we went from serving 40 families to 185 families last Monday. And that, that was such a treat for all of us who are out there sweating it out, loading cars. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Big G, and all of you guys who came out to serve. We can always use more help, especially when we get the word out. So did everybody see Pam Lee come in today? Yeah. Pam Lee back there. My dearest MCC family, I'm so thankful for your friendship. Words can't begin to express the outpouring. Uh, Pam, uh, I, I think it's been 10 days or less since she had a total knee replacement, and I watched her walk down the aisle without any assistance to receive communion. She's got that heart to be with you and to be with the Lord, and I, I hope that's contagious among us all. Well, this series, Asking for a Friend, is born out of the idea that as we mature in our faith, those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, received God's Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, that as we mature in our faith, there are going to be certain things that come to our mind, behaviors, thoughts, you know, things that we do, habits, they're going to come to our mind that, that used to be frequent in our life. But then all of a sudden, we're prompted, sometimes by the Holy Spirit, to, to stop and to ask ourselves the question, is it okay to? Uh, last week, we talked about, is it okay to get angry? And of course, we see that anger is a feeling that God created and placed inside of us. It's something that we all experience, but just like every emotion, it's to be laid at the feet of God. It's to be processed according to his word. Well, this week we turn to the subject of lying. Is it okay to lie even, even if it's just a little? Now, according to a secular study published in the Journal of Applied Psychology, they say that the average American, you and I, we're the average Americans, 
that we lie up to three times within the 10-minute conversation. Have you ever had one of those conversations with someone where almost every other sentence is, is some form of a lie? The study also found that men tell six lies a day while women average three. Now, last night I had a man stand up. He said, I want to know who published that. And I said, it was a woman. It was a woman. But they say men are twice as likely to lie as women. Men lie most about their habits while women lie to hide their true feelings. Now, the 20 most common lies. Number one, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong, right? And how many of you come home? How you doing? Uh, I'm fine. Well, your face doesn't look like it, right? <laughs> Nothing's wrong. I, I told you. Number three, I was stuck in traffic. I was stuck in traffic. You look great in that. I had a new pair of shorts the other day. I had spent $15 at the Walmarts. They were, not, they were plaid, black and gray. They fit me. You know, my little bird legs, they fit me really good. And Sarah just looked at me and didn't say a word. She didn't have to. It was ugly, written all over her face. <laughs> you look great in that. Number six out of 20, my phone died. Brandon Dickerson, the associate here, he's confessed multiple times right here from this podium that if he's in a conversation with you and he's starting to get a little anxious, like after the first word, that he often will pull his phone out and pretend to receive a phone call and go off and take it just so he doesn't have to talk to you. My phone died. Number eight, I had no way to contact you. I, I love this. I, I hear this a lot from the staff when they go over to camp. Now, their text comes out, hey, bring me a Coke from McDonald's, or hey, you know, stop and get me a hamburger, this camp food's awful. But when I text them, oh, I'm sorry, Dave, no service at the camp. I'll call you right back. I have a headache. Well, one of you walked in this morning. My wife's at home with a headache. Yes, I'm sure she is. You've lost weight. Boy, that's a dangerous one. I'm on my way, right? We're not even in the car. And my favorite is number 20, I would never lie to you. And these are what we call the so-called little lies. Well, you call them white lies, gray lies. They're, they're just those everyday things that we, that we find ourselves saying to make the conversation a little bit easier. Yet God's command in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 is that each one of us as followers of Jesus, we must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. But, but don't sometimes we have to lie to protect the other person? Well, one of you gave me a great example walking in this morning. Isn't it appropriate to, to tell someone one thing so that they don't go out and they don't they're not injured by a, a dangerous situation. But what about Rahab in the Bible? Right? Remember the Israelites when they were getting ready to take over Canaan? They, they were getting ready to go into Jericho to spy, and they went in, and Rahab hid them and, and lied to the enemy about where they were at. What about that lie? What about the Hebrew midwives? 
who were to take the lives of the male Hebrew children. But yet they lied and they covered it up so that they could protect Moses until he was big enough to put into the river where he would be rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. Isn't it okay to lie? But even the title of our series implies it's okay to lie sometimes. Asking for a friend, right? When we're afraid to ask for ourselves. Yet if you look closely, God has never condoned lying, even if something good came out of it. Why? Well, in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, the church is, is well on its way. Church is alive, it's growing, the Holy Spirit was at work. There were amazing things being done. And one of the amazing things that was done was that people from all over were coming together with their faith in common. They were meeting in each other's homes. They were sharing a meal together every day. When they were together, they would break bread and take juice to remind themselves of Christ's sacrifice. Chapter 4, verse 32, tells us from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. In fact, verse 36 gives us a specific example of a man named Barnabas. Barnabas sells a piece of property. He takes all of the proceeds from that sale and he brings it to the gathering and he lays it at the apostles' feet. Why? Because he was prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to do so. Well, in Acts chapter 5, all of this sets the scene for in verse 2, we read, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. They, they had seen Barnabas and what he had done. They sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, though, Ananias kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. God was doing some big things through the generosity of of people. And this couple sees what's going on. They want to give. In fact, it's very likely that the Spirit of God even prompted them through the example of Barnabas to, to do the same thing. Has God ever done that for you, in you? Uh, over the last month, we've been promoting Vacation Bible School, and you guys have done such a good job uh, stepping out and saying, hey, I want to serve. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been asking for hamburger and, and other things. God ever prompt you say, you know, hey, Dave, they, they need 20 pounds of hamburger. Instead of giving five pounds, why don't you just give all of the hamburger? I, I remember five years ago, five years ago this month, we pledged $1.25 million from this little group of us right here to build that addition out there that we had been needing for years, right? How many of us, God spoke to us and said, you need to give this amount. And, and what was the first thing that we did? I, I confess to you that's what I did. We start bartering with him, bargaining. Well, God, I already tithe. How about we reduce that down to $5,000? How about we reduce that down to $50? How about I give five pounds of burger? Give somebody else 
a chance. And we start arguing with the Spirit. What about time? He tells you to take the week off to serve at middle school camp, as over 50 of our adults did. And what do we say right away? The whole week? I only get one week of vacation, God. How many of you, how many of us give the first thing of our time and our talent, the first thing that God puts on our heart and our mind? How many of us are willing to trust him with that? Ananias and Sapphira, something prompted them to sell off a piece of property. And that night, that night they were counting out the cash. I told the story of when I sold my tractor last year and had this big, big load of cash and how much fun it was, right? To count it out, a $100 bill at a time. There they are counting out the cash. Ananias looks over at Sapphira. Sapphira looks back at him. And, and all of a sudden, Ananias says, okay, two for God, one for me. Three for God, two for me. One for God, five for me, right? He, he looks over at his wife. He says, how about we hold back just a little bit? But listen, hon, when we go to lay that bag up there, we will carry it in and as if it was everything, just, just like Barnabas. We, we, everybody will think it's, it's everything that we got from the land. And in that moment, they decided together to lie. Well, well that's Sunday. Ananias, he, he was excited to get up that morning and to bring his money sack to the church. He, he got it out of the closet. It was 10.30 already. Sapphira was still standing in the closet trying to pick out the right outfit, right? She wanted to look good. And so Ananias, he jumped on the other camel and went ahead and came to church, left her at home. It says there that he came to church. He came to church. And he takes the money sack, and when it came time to give, he placed the bag at Peter's feet. And you say, well, I, I didn't hear him lie. You're right. He, he didn't come up and say, hey, hey Peter, th this is part of the proceeds. He, he just let Peter assume, and all the people in the church assume, that he gave it all. Verse 3. Then Peter said... Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? I, I got to tell you, this reminds me of a story. Uh, a guy that I used to work with, he had a tape of this African-American preacher out in Louisville someplace who came into church drunk one Sunday. Right? He gets up on the platform and he starts calling out names. I've seen you. I've seen you, Tom. I see that nickel that you throw in the plate every week. And, you know, and I see you, Ralph. I, I've seen you whispering to that other lady on the other side of the church when your wife's not around. He started calling them out. And here, Peter. Peter calls him out. You've lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down 
and died. There's three things I want us to remember from this account this weekend when it comes to lying. The first is this. A word doesn't have to be spoken for a lie to occur. A word doesn't have to be spoken for a lie to occur. Ever heard of a lie by omission? This is one of my favorites, right? I come home late from work. Ever since I've been in the ministry, I've always come home late from work. Even when I say I'm going to be home late, I still come home later than what I say. So I walk in one day, and it's five o'clock. I told Sarah I would be home, and it's now after six. So I walk in the door. She looks at me. She says, long day at the office. And I say, yes. Right? Truth. I started at six o'clock that morning. But what I didn't tell her, what I omitted from that was at 4.30, I decided to run down to Dairy Queen and the line was wrapped around the building twice. And that's why I was late. Now on the flip side, on the flip side, I often come home and I can tell it's been a tough day, right? Something's on her mind. And I asked that question that every good man asks of his wife. Everything okay? You okay? Something about, listen to her laughing back there. She knows it's true. And she says, yes, everything's okay. Are you sure you're okay? And then she looks at you, right? With fire in her eyes. And she said, if you keep asking me, it's sure not going to be okay. <laughs> but then three days later, she comes up to you. And she says, hey, you remember the other day when you asked me if I was okay and I told you I was okay? Well, I really wasn't okay. No kidding, right? <laughs> no kidding. I knew you weren't. The younger guys preach, and I just hear somebody come up and compliment them on a particular point that they make. David, that was such an inspiring point that you made, and and it was a point that I made. And they just say, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Liar, right? (laughs) Right? Ananias didn't say a thing when he set the money sack at the apostles' feet, yet Ananias lied. He lied long before he laid the money sack down. Lying was at the very core of who Ananias had become. Peter called it in verse 3 when he asked this rhetorical question. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Remember last week when God came to Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? God knew. Peter knew why Ananias had lied, but he wanted Ananias to answer the question, to get to the issue underneath the lie. And here's the truth about lies. Satan is the father of lies. Not God, not God's people, but Satan is the father of lies. Now God, on the other hand, is the source of all truth. And we either fill our lives with one or the other. It's one or the other. There's no middle of the road. The first lie to enter the world was told by who? It was told by Satan. Where? In the very Garden of Eden, chapter 2. Remember? God took Adam and Eve for a walk. He said to Eve, he said, look at all these beautiful trees. You can eat from any one of them, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat eat or you will what? You'll die. Couldn't be any clearer than that. 
just a chapter later, whether it was a year or two, whether it was just weeks or months, whether it's like our kids, two days later, two days later, it says that Satan appeared to Eve. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And, and she remembered. She said, oh, oh, no, we can eat from any tree in the garden, but we must not eat from this tree or we will die. And what does Satan say? You will not surely die. It's how Satan earned the title, the father of lies. Jesus, Jesus, when speaking to a group of religious leaders, he put it in the simplest form when he said to them, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. He's describing Satan. And he's describing those who, those who lie. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, here's the important part. Jesus says, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Sarah and I have a, a common friend, and we've watched this unfold for years. We can get so wrapped up, we can get so full of lies that we can't deal with the truth when it's right in front of us. Uh, our friend, they, they simply lie as a matter of convenience. And, and it's become so silly, but yet it's so sad, right? It's like saying, well, uh, I, I, I went to the store today. They didn't go to the store. There's no reason for them to lie about it. We don't care if they went to the store or not, but it's just one thing after another. This question, is it okay to lie, is a baseline question for all of our lives as followers of Jesus. It's a baseline question. It speaks as to whether we belong to Jesus, we belong to God, we belong to the truth, or we belong to the father of lies, Satan. And you say, well, it's not that simple. Some would say, I don't believe in either, but that's not really the truth. You just don't want to admit there's a God. Because if you do, you'll have to be accountable to him. Revelation 21.8 says, All liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Who else is going to be in that burning lake of fiery sulfur? Satan and all of those who follow him. This is the second death. So Peter says to Ananias, Ananias, how is it? How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? What he's saying is in choosing to lie, we're choosing to trust self, which is trusting Satan over God. <clears throat> now, this lied to the Holy Spirit thing. I should have called Bill or, or I should have called Brandon, right? Somebody smarter than me. I got hung up on that for a few days. Uh, what's this lying to the Holy Spirit? Now, how do you do that? Well, the first thing is, is very obvious, and that is that Ananias lied to the entire church when he brought his money bag to the front. 
You say, okay, that's the church. That, that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. Is it not? Is not the church the body of Christ? Is not the church indwelt with the Holy Spirit? And so when we do something against the church, like lie, are we not lying to those? But yes, we're lying to the Holy Spirit. We lie to the Holy Spirit when we say we're a Christ follower, yet live in stark contrast to his commands. If you and I are indwelt with God's spirit at baptism, which we are, Acts 2.38, repent, right, and believe, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of what? We like to say, the whole, we, we like to say eternal life because that's what we want. But the gift is the Holy Spirit that seals us for eternal life. Then the God's spirit living inside of us, he's always prompting us, he's always guiding us, he's always leading us, he's always speaking to us, he's always directing us to the good works that God has created in advance for us to do. And when we lie, we're lying not only to men, but the Holy Spirit Remember earlier when I said we've all experienced those moments when God's Spirit prompts us to do something? Usually what he's prompting us to do will stretch us in some way. Stress, uh, uh, it'll stretch us relationally, you know, to step out and walk across the room when otherwise we, we wouldn't. To actually sit down with someone and explain why you're upset with each other in truth and in love, sometimes we do it, sometimes we're obedient, but many times we try to barter with him. When we choose to do anything other than what God has prompted us to do, we set into motion a lie. We aren't just lying to ourselves, we're lying to God. One of the ways we lie to the Holy Spirit, lie to God, is by being someone or something that we aren't. Isn't that how a lie begins most of the time? We tell a lie to, to protect the other person because we're just that good. We know better than that other person what they need, and so we're going to lie to protect them. I remember the one and only lie that I told to Sarah when we were engaged. I've told you before. It was a lie that nearly cost us our engagement. And the reason why I lied is why I didn't think she could handle the truth, trying to protect her. But when we do that, when we do that, we're protecting ourselves. <coughs> Ananias wanted to appear as Barnabas did. Barnabas, who sold a piece of property, laid the money at the apostles' feet, right? They, they named the multipurpose room after Barnabas. And Ananias thought, okay, here's our chance. He wanted to appear just as generous, just as spiritually in tune, but without being obedient to the Spirit. It's a trap we fall into. It's a trap that begins with one little lie. You know, I, I would say that this wasn't Ananias and Sapphira's first lie. Would, would you? You think they started here? If, if, when the statistic says that the average American male, I'll just pick on us guys for a minute because we can take it, right? 
if we lie six times a day, let's say Ananias is just 20 years old, right? We'll, we'll keep him young. And let's say that he's only been lying for 18 years. We'll give him the first two years free. 18 years, six times a day. Over that 18 years, that's 39,420 lies. How do you keep up with it? With every lie, Ananias and Sapphira allowed Satan to fill their hearts with the next lie until in chapter 5, the truth finally comes out. And friends, that day will come for all of us if it hasn't already. When what we do in the darkness, when what we think is hidden from everyone will be revealed. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all that heard what had happened. Great fear. <laughs> I imagine that's great fear. I mean, was there bad juice that day? Was it food poison? Well, what was it? Right? They had all partaken in the same thing. What was it? But what about the fear that we live in ourselves when our life, our relationships, our finances, our sexual identity is centered around a lie? Even a secular magazine like Psychology Today cites that living a lie has devastating consequences, no kidding, including anxiety, the temptation to hide from the truth, self-deception and worry that makes it harder to face our doubts and our fears. But death, isn't that over the top, God? Especially when Peter said in verse 4, Ananias, didn't the land belong to you? Before it was sold, Ananias, when you sold the land, could not have you, you could have chosen to keep back some, but, but yet you chose to lie. You chose to. And that's the final truth. We're never forced to lie, yet we selfishly, selfishly choose to. We're not protecting anyone other than ourselves. And when we do, we sin. And when we choose to sin, even with something as little as a lie, what happens? When we choose to sin, a piece of us dies. We give one more part of ourself over to the evil one. In verse 7, three hours later, Sapphira finally gets her dress picked out. She comes waltzing down the aisle. She's looking good, Right? She didn't see the grave dug right outside the door where her husband had just been carried out and buried. She comes to the front. Peter asks her the same question. Sapphira, this money bag right here that Ananias brought. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's from the sale of the land. Was that all of the proceeds from the land? Yes, it was. Ananias, or Sapphira, how, how could you lie? How could you be part of this life? Your husband, he was just carried out of here dead a minute ago. And at that, Luke records for us that she fell out dead. And those same men came and carried her out and buried her. You see, all the way back in the Old Testament, a man named Moses said to people like you and I, he said, I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessings and curses. Hasn't God done the same for us? Uh, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and, and life to the full. Satan, 
Satan, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children can live. Is it okay to lie a little? Well, the choice is yours. It's a choice we make long before our mouth ever opens. It's a choice that begins in our spirit. We either trust God or we trust a lie. Ananias when they, and Sapphira, when they were faced with this, this question, when the Holy Spirit welled up inside of them and they were counting out the money and they, they thought, is it okay? They chose to trust the lie instead of the Holy Spirit. And a piece of them died then. Remember, sin brings death. Lying brings death to relationships between friends and husbands and wives and parents and children. Lies bring identity death. We believe the lie, well, God made me this way. No, you have desires that you're unwilling to lay at God's feet and trust him with. Leads to physical death. And lies ultimately lead to spiritual death. It's interesting that the life God offers us begins the very day that we acknowledge the truth of who Jesus Christ is and follow him as Savior and Lord of our life. And from there, it's a life that demands the truth from us. No exceptions. From that day forward in the promise he hands it right back to us, life, life to the full. I have a feeling that some of us, though our question at this point runs a little deeper than is it okay to lie a little, maybe the question has become in your life, what if my life is filled with lies? <laughs> what if my persona, my image that I want other people to see, I've built on a lie? What should I do? Stop lying today. Stop lying today. Turn to God. God who offers forgiveness from every lie imaginable. The big lies, even the little white lies that have brought separation between us and him. Be baptized, receive his Holy Spirit that what? That guides us, directs us in the way that we should go. That saves us. Accept his grace and forgiveness and then trust him. Trust him with the next opportunity and the opportunity after that to choose the truth even when you feel it's not in your best interest. And see if God won't provide a way. Because truth is the only way. It's the only life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ living in us. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the truth. That lies bring destruction. That lies bring death. Father, for those of us, all of us, who have struggled with this, who will struggle today when we 
walk out the door and it's easier to say one thing than to say the truth. Father, I pray that we would look to you for strength, that we would rely on your spirit to guide us and to lead us through, to give us that way out when we're tempted, just as you promised to do. Father, for those who look at their life right now and realize that that maybe a relationship, a friendship, a persona is, is based on a lie. Well, Father, you can take that too and you can turn it around if only we would give you control. Help us to say yes to you today and no to the evil one. He's done enough. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to come and receive Christ as Savior and Lord, or if you'd like to come and pray, if you'd like to come and talk about being a part of this family, I'll be down front to meet you as we sing.